Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Uh, it is Thursday. Happy Thursday to you and yours. It's the day before Friday. Uh, I'm always excited when the weekend is just around the corner. Uh, fantastic show planned for you today. Uh, Steve Kim and Shamika Michelle will be here. Uh, let's get right to it. And, and let, let's just get right to it. Because today used to be and I say in the past tense, one of the greatest days in sports. If, you know, other than the Super Bowl, I don't know of anything uh, that caused more excitement than the first day of March Madness. That, you know, gamblers, sports fans, brackets, uh, just incredible excitement around the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. You know, they started ruining it with the first four thing when they went to 68 teams and all that, but I, I don't think it's just me. The NCAA tournament just has lost much, 50% of its appeal, of its ability to uh, wrap sports fans around their finger and have people have their entire days built around uh, March Madness and watching games and betting on games. And look, I I'm sure out in Las Vegas there's big crowds. I'm sure at sports bars there's decent-sized big crowds and, and people are going through the motions. But this ain't like what it used to be like. When, when a head coach, Mike Krzyzewski, is the biggest star, is a, basically the only person anybody can name for sure that's in this tournament, Tom Izzo would probably be the second name, the Michigan State head coach, but Duke's coach, Mike Krzyzewski, is the biggest star in this tournament. He will not be taking the court. He won't make a free throw, he won't make a jump shot, he won't slam the ball. He'll sit on the sidelines and coach the Duke basketball team, and people will root for or against Duke as they've done. I guess this year more people will be rooting for Coach K and Duke uh, because he's the only interesting storyline uh, in this tournament. I, honestly, if I had to say what would be the second most interesting storyline, and, and this is way from afar, is like how far will Coach K go? And I think there are probably a lot of people uh, who started out the afternoon this morning with one of the first games uh, rooting for Michigan to get beat by Colorado State because Juwan Howard has become a polarizing uh, figure in college basketball after pimp slapping a Wisconsin assistant coach and getting slapped on the wrist and being clueless and not realizing he did anything wrong until two or three weeks later. So you got people rooting against Jawan Howard, a coach, and you have people rooting for Mike Krzyzewski, a coach. That's the story of March Madness. I, I'm, I'm at a loss. And, and forgive me, criticize me, do whatever you want. I, I've been in this industry a long time, and it's probably inexcusable for me to admit this. I can't, I can't name one player on the Duke or Michigan basketball teams. 
I can't name one player in the NCAA tournament. Is Ja Morant in it? That's, that's probably the last guy that I remember from the NCAA tournament when he was at Murray State. Oh, well, that's right. Zion Williamson, I remember him at Duke. But that was two, three years ago. At this point, well, it had to be two years ago. Or I'm trying to, he's, he's, had, he's had two NBA seasons. Uh, he's had three NBA seasons? Zion Williamson has had three. <laughs> well, he's only played in about 82 games during his, or was he played in 85 games during his, yeah, three, three, three years in the NBA? Uh, so, I'm, I'm, Corey shouted out, who is the biggest star in college basketball? Paolo Banchero, Chet Holmgren for Gonzaga. It's a Gonzaga. Yeah, hmm. Gonzaga team. Jaden Ivey for Purdue. Jaden Ivey for Purdue. I, I do know the name Ivey. I thought it was Ronald Ivey, but I have heard of Ivey from Purdue. I used to be a huge Purdue basketball fan. Uh, so, look, ridicule me. I'm a longtime sports journalist. I used to know this stuff like the back of my hands, name starting lineups for, you know, I covered the Fab Five. When college basketball really mattered, when Michigan went down to Duke, and I had those Duke fans sitting on my back basically the entire game. College basketball and March Madness are on life support. And I'm going to bring in uh, Steve Kim, uh, the Korean Cosell, who's a huge college football fan. I'm, I'm sure he's still a bit of a college basketball fan. But I'm going to ask the question of Steve. We'll start here. Who ruined college basketball? I, I think Very there's simple. some easy. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. You go ahead. Easy. Who ruined college basketball? Once the NBA uh, allowed this system and didn't do anything to correct it and just said, hey, listen, at age 17, 18, beginning with the Kevin Garnett hardship case, I don't know if they still called it that back then. That became the starting point, in my view, of the erosion of college basketball. It's kind of like what happened to the Negro Leagues once Jackie Robinson and Larry Doby were able to play in the major leagues. Well, there's a price to pay that a, a one industry may benefit, but the other one will be chipped away at. And there used to be a time with college basketball that these players were brands and you got to know them. It got me thinking during your monologue, Jason, the first national title game that I truly remember watching end-to-end -end and being into, 1982 at the Superdome. And think about this. James Worthy was actually, I think, a junior. Sam Perkins was there for two years. Patrick Ewing became a freshman sensation. He stayed all four years. Eric Sleepy Floyd, Georgetown's probably best outside shooter ever, had a long NBA career. I believe he was an upperclassman. And then there was this guy named Mike Jordan hit this big shot at the end. I don't know what happened to him. He actually stayed three years. We got to know these players, and I was just racking my brain. I still remember the best semifinal game I've ever seen in the Final Four when I was really into it, Jason, was Illinois and Michigan in 1989 in Seattle. That game had about 13 or 14 NBA players combined on both teams. Kendall Gill, Steve Bardo. Uh, I believe it was like Michigan had like seven NBA guys led by Romeo Robinson, Terry Mills, Loy Vaught. And I'm just thinking in Glenn Rice, greatest tournament I've ever seen in 89. Now you're right, Jason, I'm with you. I don't know a single player. And I'll be honest, I'm more concerned. You're concerned about, does anyone care about March Madness? No, I'm concerned about spring practice at Miami with Mario Cristobal building his national championship team there. And I think most college fans are now shifting towards football and it's been that way for about 10 years let's look at the hierarchy of what college sports are really popular number one is college football number two is college football national recruiting letter of intent day number three is spring practice number four is when fall practice begins for the season and, and then march madness final four that's the hierarchy that's the reality of it right now it really is I, I, you blame the NBA, I think, is your answer. I, I'm going to get more specific. I think there's two candidates, or, or I can name one person by name, David Stern. 
mm. or, or the NBA, however you want to frame it. And then the other institution that I blame is the NCAA for yes. never addressing the amateurism issue. Okay. The, Agreed. See, and this is where this is where I think there's almost equal blame between the NCAA and the NBA. But I put most of the blame on David Stern because I think when you're running the National Basketball Association and you're in partnership with Nike, you're responsible for the growth and the health of basketball overall. Because if basketball is healthy at the high school level and the college level, that's only going to improve the NBA level. And so when I think about the collapse of March Madness and college basketball, I think about the collapse of basketball in America in general. And I blame that on David Stern. The media will never address this because David Stern bullied the media when he was alive and he's revered as this, oh, he's the ultimate commissioner of any sports league. And I'm like, this is, a, that, that's a joke. Comparing him to Pete Rozelle is a joke. And acting like he had more of an impact on American sports than Pete Rozelle is a joke, more positive impact. David Stern, out of short-sightedness, and, and, and he was, to me, he was the first globalist sports commissioner. Mm. He was so concerned with growth in China and making the NBA this international game, and that was going to be our way of t overtaking the NFL and football, is we were going to be the world's game. And so in this whole pursuit of being the world's game, he thought college basketball was irrelevant. And, and he never, and this is why I blame the NCAA, because they should have been out in front of this, and I blame CBS, who's been in bed with college basketball for a long time. The television networks, all of them, that rely on basketball, David Stern and the NCAA should have come together 25, 30 years ago and said, guys, we got to figure out how to work together, how to financially reward guys for staying in college, because that's best for the overall health of American basketball and even international basketball. Because I think where the NBA really suffers right now is like when Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas and Patrick Ewing and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when they joined the NBA, they had massive brands. They had massive yes. followings. And they brought those brands and following to the NBA. They helped college basketball fans, UCLA, they followed Kareem's career. North Carolina, they followed Michael Jordan's career. This model we have now where guys have a cup of coffee in, in college basketball leaves college basketball fans disappointed and really uninterested in following these guys once they get to the pros. And so, the short-sightedness of, of, of David Stern and the NCAA of not aggressively trying to get out in front of this, figure out a way that maybe the NBA, uh, there was some kind of financial reward when you entered the NBA with two or three or even four years of college experience. Steve, when you and I enter the well, workforce, if you have an advanced degree, you're more educated than your competitors, you get paid more. And so I felt like they sh could have implemented a system like that. I think the NBA could have offered internships of some kind that were financially rewarding for these basketball players to spend. There were creative ways to reward people for staying in college, and the NCAA should have got on board with that instead of holding on to that amateurism slave ship. And so everybody has participated in the death of college basketball as, as a high-impact, culturally relevant uh, sporting event. And they've also uh, contributed to the undermining of basketball in general. The product in the NBA is significantly weaker, and we have less, you know, there's a handful of five or six players in the NBA that people are passionate about. But that's it. 
the, the, the rest of them are all nondescript, interchangeable parts. We don't know any of their backstory. We don't, I watch NBA guys, I don't know if they ever went to college, where they went to college, if they ever did anything in college. Many of them didn't. Uh, it's not, they're not Steph, one of the reasons why Steph Curry has such a big brand is he was such a big college basketball star and he brought that following and brand to the NBA. Uh, I, I'm rambling, gonna let you get back well, in here, but I, 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 Jay, I blame Stern the most. Well, okay, we can assign blame and have different percentages, but there's a thing called the NIL. And nowadays, at least college athletes are getting paid over the table instead of under it. And in college football, on every message board, on every major program is like, are we going to be able to pay these players legally? And I just got me thinking, well, wait a minute. What about basketball? You don't hear a lot of players talking about, well, I'm going to go to Kentucky, Louisville, Kansas, UCLA, or Duke because they have a great NIL. It literally is just we're just going to bypass college as soon as we can and get going. The other thing about the National Football League and college football is I know it's a more physical sport. But remember, they have a rule. You cannot be drafted into our league until you are three years out from your high school graduation. So these guys have no choice. There's an infrastructure. But, Jay, going back, you see these uh, VHS tapes? I got more VHS tapes than a blockbuster, right? A lot of these tapes, believe it or not, aren't just boxing matches and old hurricane games. I have a lot of UNLV from the early 90s. I have a lot of Fab Five games. I mean, it used to be a big thing with me. I mean, I still remember being heartbroken when Greg Anthony was given that phantom fourth and fifth foul against Duke in 91. That game still breaks my heart. When Bobby Hurley hit that three to put it within two, I said, we're in trouble. I, that's, I can't even watch that game. When Chris Webber called the timeout, a part of me died. I mean, now I don't even watch the Final Four. I'm going to be honest with you, Jason. You know what I'm going to do this year? This is going to be the 90% of my March Madness viewing. On that Monday night, three weeks from now, when Teddy Pendergrass comes on with one shining moment, I'm going to watch that and I'm going to say, okay, now I'm ready to talk about the tournament with Jason. I, I want to be honest with you. If you want to talk basketball, you better bring someone else on. I'm not the guy. I'm worried about my cornerback situation at Miami if we're going to get another linebacker from the transfer portal. One last thing. Zion Williamson, he was the one guy the last decade, and I told this to John Hadley and to Corey. It's the one guy I cared about was Zion. Zion, in my view, 20 years ago, would have came out the biggest star in basketball. And I thought he would have been an iconic brand. He would have been right up there with Christian Leitner, Johnny Dawkins, Grant Hill. He was a highlight show, and he did all the little things. And now, to see him, I think it's the last time he played basketball. Because I see pictures of him now, and he looks like mini Oliver Miller. I'm like, you know, here's the thing. They compared him to Sean Kemp early on, right? Well, now he looks like Sean Kemp as a Cleveland Cavalier after eight kids. It's sad. It is sad what has happened to Zion. Zion, come back to us. I still have hope, man. Jeez. Look, think about this, and, and I can't remember. Did Charles Barkley stay at Auburn two or three years? I think three. Uh, two? Three with Sonny Smith. Three, and he three years. Yeah. With uh, Chuck Person, and I remember that team. Yeah, so – Think about this. If Zion were in that old system where he would have stayed in college three years, Chuck had a weight problem all through college. Yep. And, and so he would have, Zion would have been given the opportunity to mature some while he were in college playing 30, 35 games a year. Instead, he plays one year at Duke, yep. doesn't really grow up. Uh, then he goes to the NBA where you're expected to play 82 games. Clearly he can't Ugh. do it. He, he's not getting And it took Chuck some time in the NBA. I, Chuck tells a story about Dr. J or Moses Malone or somebody yeah. telling him, like, dude, get this weight off if you really want to. And eventually Chuck did. I, I think uh, Zion's career has been damaged so early in his NBA career, I'm not sure if he's ever going to recover. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be given the opportunity because I, I think people are souring on him. And I think that that whole negative energy is now starting to flow around. Zion came into the year, into the league as kind of a happy, upbeat, what a yes. great kid he is. Now he's kind of a laughing stock. At no point was Charles Barkley ever a laughing stock in college, the NBA, even when he was overweight in the NBA. And eventually Chuck got in better shape and became one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Zion, not going to get that opportunity, I think, partially because he needed to stay in college 
for three or four years and mature before he ever hit the NBA. Uh, and, and so th this entire system uh, is, is a joke and unhealthy for basketball. It's not just hurt the college game. It's hurt the NBA game. I, I, I will admit I'm going to watch – uh, some basketball today and Whoa. this weekend because I'll because oh. I'll probably put some money on it. I'll put some money on some games. Uh, well, that makes I'll, it I'll, I'll try to that make a little money this weekend. Yeah, and and you know, I'll, although I'm just telling you, I don't know who I'm rooting for. I, I <laughs> no, your, your money. I, I'm your money. That's what you're rooting I'm, for. Your money. Well, I am, but but I'm going to be rooting for Indiana because I like Mike Woodson. I like some guys on their coaching staff. I don't know who plays on the team, uh, but oh, Tracy Jackson Davis is a name because uh, I think I bet them last week I, after they won the first two games of the Big Ten tournament. But it's it, it, it's I, I, I'm just so disgusted. But let's 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 talk. Let's pivot a little bit and talk a little bit more positively about Coach K since he is the story of this NCAA tournament. They play tonight. Uh, Coach K, who's the GOAT, Coach K or John Wooden? Who, 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 who has a better college basketball legacy, Coach K or John Wooden? You know, it's, it's difficult because when John Wooden won all those national titles, the tournament was very small. It was a totally different tournament. You didn't have as many teams in it. And, look, we have to be honest about John Wooden. When people And I respect John Wooden. But half of his success is about Sam Gilbert, a big pocketed booster. And UCLA had a really good salary cap. And one of the funniest quotes ever was from the late, great Jerry Tarkanian, the Shark. He once said the NCAA is so upset at UCLA, they put Long Beach State on two years probation. So they played by a different <laughs> set of rules. I, I actually think what, what Coach K has done in the modern era is just as impressive because there's more teams, more players. And remember, that team of Zion Williamson had about three or four other NBA guys that all left after about five months on campus. That, that team was bound to win a couple national titles under the old system if they would have stuck together like Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley. Um, I would say modern-day post-wooden. I know I'm waffling. It's got to be Coach K because he's won in almost every single era. And the amazing thing about Coach K he didn't have a great record at the uh, the academy where he came from. And after his first couple of seasons, Duke fans wanted him out of there. And he had that monster down the road at Tobacco Road with Dean Smith, and he built that program. And, Jay, from 1985-86, which was Johnny Dawkins last year, I believe, all the way till 1992 when they went back-to-back, -back, when they beat Michigan – they went to the Final Four like seven out of eight years in the modern era. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Now, they got blown out a few times, but just to, that consistency is unbelievable in that particular era of basketball. Yeah, I don't think it's close. I think it's Coach K, and Whoa. I know that John Wooden has all, those, has all those titles, but it's just like you said – they were spending, I'm sure everybody was spending money back then, <laughs> yeah, but they, they were spending were. <laughs> more money than everybody else. And it was by far, the tournament was more condensed. Again, there was less talent spread out, uh, you know, across the country. You pay for Bill Walton, you pay for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. These are generational seven foot, you know, Kareem, yes. arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. And Bill Walton, if not for injury, might've been in the yes. running for that title. Uh, he bought and paid for both of those guys and and let them do whatever they want. And and they won a bunch of games. But what Coach K did in a very competitive era, building a program in the shadow of that North Carolina program, uh, coming up out of the, you know, Michael Jordan played at North yes. Carolina, Dean Smith. And to, to build a program in that shadow and, and, and to – build it in the way that he did. And I know there's a lot of people, uh, including me, that have been critical of Coach K and just like, uh, you know, he gets a lot of credit for coaching two parent kids where some other <laughs> schools 
Seriously, where some other schools well, are, are Jason, coaching one-parent kids. But I got I got to tip my hat to him. He built a program in Duke's academic standards, made it so that you know that's what he needed to do. But he got the most talented two-parent kids in the country, including Grant Hill, who who would have been a challenger in my view to Jordan's throne had he not had the ankle injuries in the, yeah. in the NBA. Nobody more talented than than Grant Hill. And so I, I, I think it's Coach K, and, it, and it's, it's not close. Uh, you know, Bobby Knight would probably be my number two uh, in terms of who I was impressed with and what they did uh, as a college basketball coach, and, and then maybe John Wooden. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. What's your, you, well, do you disagree with something I said? Well, it's funny about uh, Robert Montgomery Knight, the general, the most blunt man in America, who I'm growing to appreciate in my old crotchety age. He once said, hey, coach, who, who do you prefer, John Wooden or Pete Newell? And he goes, Pete Newell. And they're like, well, why? Well, easy. John Wooden cheated. <laughs> he just kept it really simple. <laughs> One last thing about Coach K that I give cr- credit to Duke. I don't know a single player on Duke since Zion Williamson and that whole crew left. But they are that team that when they're on TV and you're at a sports bar or Jason or you're with with friends, they're the one team in college basketball I think you probably stick on to see them lose. Because they're like Notre Dame football in a lot of ways. You either hate them or love them. There's no apathetic feelings towards them. That alone is a tribute to what Krzyzewski has built. One last story about Zion Williamson is one year. They're in the final eight and they're playing Michigan State. I thought Coach K coached one of his worst games ever because Zion in the low post was dominating. But this is what I hated. Because he had to appease these other three future first-round draft choices, they started spreading the ball around, and their offense kind of died. If they keep beating Zion, they beat Michigan State. As soon as they lost the game, I literally said on that Sunday afternoon, well, my Saturday just freed up. I didn't watch a single minute of the Final Four. That's how much I thought of Zion, and that's how much interest I've lost in college basketball. All right. I'm going to show my lack of interest and perhaps lack of professionalism. Uh, I can't even – who's replacing Coach K? John Shire. John Shire is replacing him. I was going to say – yeah, I was going to say Johnny Dawkins, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you were close. And they both played it, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I was close. Yeah, I was close. Uh, and why wasn't Bobby Hurley? Why isn't he a candidate for anyway? Uh, is, is he still the same Bonaventure or whatever? No, no, uh, he's at Arizona State. Oh, Arizona State. Oh, my yeah. God. Look, I All know right. more college uh, basketball than I thought. Oh, my God. Well, I, <laughs> I gotta give Corey's shouting credit. out the right answers for me, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, but the, the reason I asked that question is we've seen Indiana lose Bobby Knight and fall off mm. a cliff. Uh, Georgetown lost John Thompson, fell mm. off a cliff. Uh, what was the other school? Oh, UCLA. They basically – what is it? No, they UCLA's made the won final one title. last year. Well, Mick Cronin's doing a nice it. job. I mean I, – I got it. They have – they won one title since John Wooden. Am I correct? Yeah, they yeah, won. 1995. Uh, yeah, Ben Howard. Yeah, Ben Howard. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, it was yeah. Jim Herrick. It was Jim Herrick. Jim Herrick. Ben My Howard bad. went the three My straight. Bad. He went the three straight final fours, and I was still kind gotcha. of into it. That was a team with our favorite guy, Russell Westbrook, before he started wearing dresses and everything. He was a good young man back yeah. then. Is yeah. is is was Tyus Edney on that? Ninety-five team that won the championship. Yes, yeah, great okay, moment. Yeah, they remember went they, coast to coast against Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember. Boy, I used to care about that. this tournament. I used to care so, about this, man. Yeah. So <laughs> they won one title. Mid- Indiana, I'm sorry, has played in one national championship game since yes. Bobby Knight. I think in Mike Davis's second year or whatever at, at Indiana, uh, and then the only schools that I can think of that have kept the dynasties rolling pretty much were Kentucky. Yes. Kentucky's been a pretty consistent dynasty year after year. And North Carolina transitioning from Dean Smith. Once they got to Roy Williams, you have to say the dynasty kept rolling. Yep. Do we think Duke, what fate awaits Duke? Indiana <sighs> uh, or, or, North, or North Carolina or Kentucky? Look, I don't want to character assassinate John Shire, but but replacing a guy of Shashevsky's level, it reminds me of the guy that replaced uh, John Wooden, Gene Bartow. It's tough. 
it is very tough. And by the way, another program that's kept pretty high standard for the most part. How about Kansas? They're, they're pretty much upper echelon Kansas. for the most part. Yeah. The, the only I, thing is, let me stop you for a second. The only thing about Kansas is, I don't, I don't think Kansas has ever been a dynasty. I, I think Kansas okay. has had a lot of success. But they've never put it together yeah. back to back to back years. They've never had the great runs, and and they should. When Roy Williams was there, they had you know a team oh. of Paul Pierce, Rafe LaFrenz, Scott Pollard, Jock, Jock Vaughn, Billy Thomas played in the NBA. Uh, maybe a one or two. Jared Hasmey had a cup of coffee in the NBA, uh, and they couldn't win. I don't. Even, I they didn't even make a Final Four. I covered those teams. Yeah. Jason, in 1997, that team you just listed. Now, Jock Vaughn's from Pasadena, California. So I took a lot of interest in that team. And Paul Pierce from Inglewood. That team, for 30 games, looked like they're going to win the national title. And you know who beat them was a very good Arizona team uh, that was led by, I, I believe Miles it was Simon. Miles, Miles, Miles Simon, Simon. Out, of, out of modern day. And they had a great backcourt. Michael Dickerson, I believe, was on that team. Man, look at look at me being Asian Dick Vital today. These are some great memories. But go back <laughs> to the 80s and 90s. Ralph Sampson stayed all four years. Patrick Ewing stayed all four years. Purvis Ellison stayed all four years. Danny Manning, one of the all-time great facilitators, stayed all four years. Derek Coleman stayed all four years. And mm, look, that's let's, let's Derek be, Coleman's really impressive. Yes. I, I, I know he he wasn't a great student, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Derek Coleman, one of the great lines about Derek Coleman. Someone once said, uh, yeah, Derek Coleman, he's a funny kid. And I'm not talking about his one-liners. Yeah, he was an enigmatic figure. Enigmatic figure. You know. <laughs> great player. Great player. Yes. I definitely remember D.C. Uh, hey, I want to switch up and, and just quickly talk a little NFL football, something I found interesting. The Browns are out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Mm-mm-mm. Uh Baker Mayfield preemptively fired off uh, a thank you Cleveland Browns fan <laughs> note before this was ever settled. I didn't yes. like it at the time. I didn't like what Baker Mayfield did just because they had a cup of coffee or interviewed Deshaun Watson. Keep your mouth shut. You never know how these things will play out. Uh, I, I thought it was a mistake by Baker Mayfield and just another example of his immaturity and relying way too much on gut feeling and emotion rather than just being a chess player, sitting tight and, and, and seeing if he still had a future there in Cleveland. There are conflicting reports, uh, I think, about what the Browns are going to do. Are they still shopping uh, for a quarterback? I think Chris Mortensen reported this week that the Browns want an adult in the room at the quarterback position. They don't feel <laughs> Baker is mature enough. That's what Chris Mortensen reported. I think Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network says that the Browns were only interested in Deshaun Watson and want to stick with Baker Mayfield. But uh, your thoughts on Baker Mayfield and how he handled Cleveland's flirtation with uh, the serial happy ending guy. You know, there are times with Baker Mayfield's stature and his tempestuous behavior, he reminds me of little Stewie from The Family Guy. He just does not act like a franchise quarterback, and he's got to understand the reality. There are two types of teams in the National Football League, teams that have their quarterback and the teams that want their next quarterback. Now, Baker has not been a bust. Me and you talked about this about five months ago. He's been okay. At times, he's been pretty good to solid to maybe really good. But he's never truly been elite. And here's the issue. He was the number one pick. So your standards are a little bit higher. But when you start doing things like the Dear John letter uh, publicly, it's a bad look. You know, we, we know that, look, I have been on the record. I did not like the way Aaron Rodgers behaved towards his organization the last two years. I don't think it was fair. I don't think it was right. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers has what you call uh, skin in the game. You kind of put up with it. That's that supermodel that may not cook, but you stick with her. Uh, Baker Mayfield's already that good-looking woman that was an eight that already put on 30 pounds, and you're like, oh, geez, now you can't even cook? I'm just telling you, Baker, you're not doing yourself any favors. That's all I'm going to say, and he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. But when you are being told, we want an adult in the room, that's the worst position to be described as that. Yeah. 
Listen, I've made it crystal clear. Uh, I don't like short quarterbacks. And I, <laughs> Baker's a shade over six feet. I like quarterbacks six foot two to six yep. foot four. That's my preference. I know Brady, I think, is six foot five. Uh, so he, again, I like him six two to six four. You get over six foot six, or you get six foot six, six foot, you're just too tall. I haven't seen one of those guys work out really. That's what, because isn't Justin Herbert in here around six foot six? He's uh, six six. Which, yeah, which you makes like me a little Russell bit Wilson skeptical of him long. Isn't Russell no, Wilson a I, again, company? no, 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 no. I, I do like Russell Wilson. But I've never bought fully into him because he's not hmm. tall enough. Again, and so Baker Mayfield, not tall enough. Kyler Murray, not tall enough. Yeah. There, there is Russell is a guy that handles it very well. So he, he, I don't include him in this comment. But quarterbacks under six foot one tend to have a little bit of a Napoleon syndrome, <laughs> and their their attitudes bit off. And, and so I, I just, so I've never, and I was never anti Baker Mayfield because he's just on the cusp of being tall enough to, to satisfy me. But, but I, I, the fact that he's never been able to get his attitude together, this yeah. latest example was just like, man, just shut up. There's four, five, six teams trying to get Deshaun Watson. You have no idea. Uh, whether uh, the Browns are going to be able to get it done. Has Matt Ryan written a, a, no. a goodbye letter, did John letter to <laughs> Atlanta Falcons fans? Deshaun Watson is from the Atlanta area. That's where he allegedly wants to play. Matt Ryan's not panicking. Matt Ryan's not uh, firing off pre. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. You didn't break up with me. I broke up with you. Didn't you see that letter? I sent you that text at 12:04 a.m. You didn't text me until 12:08. I broke up with you. It's very childish to me what Baker Mayfield has done. It, it feels like seventh, eighth grade. He passed it a does. note. Check this and box. It, and I'll say this about Matt Ryan. He has an MVP under his belt. He's been a perennial Pro Bowler. Again, he's got some equity in that franchise. He makes an argument for being the greatest franchise quarterback in Atlanta history. And you know what he is, though, at the end of the day? A pro. Thumbs up to that. I almost forgot there is one more thing I want to ask you about. Yeah. I, I got to sneak this in, although we may circle back to it tomorrow. I said a week or two ago when uh, – Colin Kaepernick was in the news cycle and Adam Schefter was retweeting Colin Kaepernick working out. Uh, I said, hold on, man, there's something going on here. Somebody's going to give Colin Kaepernick a chance. Mm. Adam Schefter doesn't retweet, send out yeah. stuff unless he's been assigned or told to. And so here's Pete Carroll. Uh, they don't have Russell Wilson. And now here's Pete Carroll talking about Colin Kaepernick deserves a second chance. And, and, and I'm just blown away and fast. Now, again, I told you I thought something was up. Did somebody, but, but why is Pete, this guy hasn't played in five or six years. There's no other quarterback who's been out of the league five or six years that people are talking about, yeah, he deserves a second chance. This guy went two and fourteen or something his last year as a starter. I don't. What? But well, again, with Jason, Pete Carroll uh, and Seattle love woke points, and so maybe they'll bring in Colin Kaepernick. And the NFL wants this. The NFL thinks there's peace through capitulation, and they're going to capitulate on on Colin Kaepernick. If this happens, I'm going to call you Whitlock Domus. Now, you know this as a reporter and columnist. When you are leaked information, there's always an agenda behind it. So you're right. Maybe it was like, Adam, put this out there. This is going to get interesting. But remember the point you made uh, last week. If you are a team looking to tank, well, then get Colin Kaepernick. Because think about it. Not only did they trade Russell Wilson, they got – they jettisoned Bobby Wagner, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. It is clear that's a team in transition. They're going to, like, get the draft capital, and they're looking for two, three years ahead. 
So you're right. If you're Seattle, you want to be splashy. You want to be woke. You want to uh, appease the SJW mob out there in Seattle. And you want to be relevant at least for a while. He's your guy. Now, this may surprise you, Jason. I'd like to see it. Let's see Colin Kaepernick play ball. I'm just telling you, me and you, we're going to have a lot of content in the fall. Oh, we're going to have some fun with this. I, 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 would, I just want to see DK Metcalf and oh. Lockett. How they like playing with Colin Kaepernick. I, 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 I can't. And so you're right. Uh, Seattle not. and Pete, Seattle and Pete Carroll may be looking for an 0-17 quarterback. And, and, and Colin Kaepernick is a guy that can deliver the, that volume of losses. And, and I don't know. Uh, I need to check the uh, QB market in the draft. Is there someone worth going 0-17 for? In the, in the, at the quarterback position in the upcoming draft, plus you score all those woke points. Uh, Seattle's got a bad offensive mm. line, and, you know, so Colin Kaepernick's going to get his well, brains beat in for, you know, five, six, because Pete Carroll said that Ka- Kaepernick has called them. Kaepernick, I think, is tired of mm. sitting around the house taking orders from Ness Nitty. He's ready to get back to uh, hitting strip clubs with his well, teammates well, uh, after practice. No, to give Colin credit, then he lasted longer than Tom Brady spending time with the loved ones and family. But <laughs> if you're talking about this draft class, Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, who I liked, I saw him develop being an ACC fan. No, 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 uh, I'm talking about next year. I'm talking right. about next year after you uh, go 0-17. Yeah, Pickett's well, coming out this year. Yeah, Pickett's 24 Bryce years Young. old. Yeah, and, and Bryce Malik, Young. Malik, Bryce, whew, another small quarterback, though, Jason. Yeah, He's no, not I'm, not, I'm not huge on him. So yeah. keep that in mind. This could be another – this could be right-handed Tua. Just keep that in mind. Uh, the or kid out of could, Miami. Or in Seattle's mind, he might be Russell Wilson. You're right. Or Tyler Van Dyke, big, strong-arm kid out of Miami. He's got a lot of buzz going. But, again, if you want to tank without really saying you're tanking and have a lot of attention and, again, scoring social justice points, maybe Kaepernick's the guy. And, again, I'd like to see him play ball. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I can't. I, I want to see it, believe it or not. I want. In fact, I want to see every national anthem for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and I want to see every I want to see the handshake line for Michigan today. That, that's a much March Madness I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch every handshake line of Jawan Howard. Jawan Hitman Howard. <laughs> the Tommy Hearns of college basketball. All right. Detroit. Uh, go yeah. to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit subscribe, notifications. Give me that five-star review if you're listening on Apple. All right, uh, Shamika Michelle, Uncle Jimmy. Nerds. It's my obligation on hate discrimination. Raising up your hands for freedom. We must exist in a state of man glorious. As we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember... The mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to roll down to uh, North Carolina and bring in uh, Shamika Michelle. Uh, 
Shamika, I think, uh, wants to talk with me about the latest news on Jussie Smollett. He's free, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, Juicy is free at last. Juicy fruit. I mean, Juicy Smollett. I'm sorry, <laughs> Juicy fruit to gum. I'm, I'm, anyway, go 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 ahead. Tell uh, me what you want to ask me. Or. Well, yes, of course. Yesterday they released him until he can actually appeal his case. But what I wanted to talk to you about is number one, all of the people that have come to his defense saying all types of foolishness, especially his brother. And I can't pronounce the name because obviously they're black, white, and French, wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. So uh, his brother came out with a video <laughs> accusing people of being homophobic, that that's the only reason Jesse had to, you know, go to jail and people thought he were he was guilty because he was a gay man. If we can roll the video. Our community is innately has a lot of homophobia in it. And and they leveraged that fact. They they knew that, that ultimately Jesse was not going to get the same type of support as a straight black man. Mm. And it's been obvious. I find it very difficult to believe that this ever would have gotten this far if Jesse was a straight black man. And so we, we need to really think about that. Celebrities, common people, everyone. We need to think about the fact that literally society at large failed him. Mm -hmm. And hopefully one day the truth comes out to where people can see it clear as day. I don't know how they don't see it now, but hopefully someday that happens. And when that day happens, it's really a shame that it took that long for folks to understand that. Jockey, so you think that if Jesse were a straight black man, the public reception would have been way less um, intent on vilifying him from the jump? Hands down. As a straight black man, that is hands down what would have happened. Yes. So obviously we went years talking about Black Lives Matter, protesting in the street because what we know as straight black men were murdered, which is why I say uh, the only way straight black men are relevant to Black Lives Matter is when they're dead. They really want to push a different agenda if you ask me. So now we've gone from Black Lives Matter to really is gay lives that we should be focused on. And I just want to get your take on it, Jason, because it seems like foolishness to me to lump all of the black community together. When they say homophobia, it bothers me because in my opinion, it's just a way to try and guilt someone into buying into a lifestyle that we don't want to buy into. You know, when people are have arachnophobia. They may be afraid of spiders, like deathly afraid. I don't like spiders, but I don't have arachnophobia. I just don't want one in my bed, just like I don't want a gay man in my bed. So um, I want to get your take on that, because as a straight black man, they believe you would have been treated differently. I, I, what the guy argued is preposterous. It's just, it's, first of all, let's start with, I believe one of these Somali brothers that uh, uh, testified against Jesse is gay. He and Jesse were hooking up. Mm -hmm. And so a gay black man, not half black, but a gay black man from Somalia or wherever they were from, is the primary or one of the primary witnesses against Jussie. I think if, if, if Jussie, I mean, to sit and argue, and again, this is what uh, the African Americans have the privilege of doing, and I don't say that derisively, the man is African American, he's half black, half white, Jewish, what I'm talking about his brother as well, to sit and argue that, and to pretend like the criminal justice system. <laughs> I mean, if you're a straight black man, the criminal justice system, it's a cakewalk. It's us gay black men, or my brother's gay, that they're the ones that the criminal justice system and the whole world is against. This is a joke. The whole world has spent, the, in America at least, it feels like the last 10, 15 years bending over backwards for the LGBTQ community, regardless of color. Mm -hmm. We're passing laws, 
we've legalized marriage for them. The whole world has been bending over to make them more comfortable and more accepted. You go anywhere in corporate America and you ask any person in the HR department who they would prefer to hire, a straight Christian black man or a gay black man. It ain't even close because one, the person running the uh, HR department is likely gay and black. And so to sit here and to argue in 2022 that somehow, oh, it's the gay black man that's catching hell in this country, stop it. And, and I do know that uh, homo, hom, hom, homosexual people face a level of harassment. I get it, particularly from young people and kids. But in the adult world, th th that, that just, in, in the over 30 world, and Jussie is 39, again, he, he's just not, and, and that's, again, that, that's why he had to make up this hate crime. Because again, if he was facing real harassment, he wouldn't have to make up anything. He wouldn't have to pay anybody to put a noose around his neck. It would just happen, or he would just film his everyday experience as a gay black man in America, and he could just show you the harassment. But he had to go to, to film school and, and to create something. Again, the, the, the supply of, of racism and uh, it's just not, it's not meeting demand. And so people like Jussie are making it up. And so if a straight black dude had been convicted of what Jussie was convicted of, uh, the, the biggest difference would have been that straight black man would have gone to jail and done them 150 days, which would have been 75 days, standing on his head and came out of there uh, pri uh, with, with some pride and his dignity left intact. He wouldn't have run in there like a coward. Talking, I'm not suicidal. I'm not <laughs> suicidal. He'd have done the time and, and, and put it in the rearview mirror. Jesse can't do the time. And so he's continuing to pay lawyers to, to drag this out until, you know, the right people get in political power and just look the other way and excuse this. Uh, so I find what his brother said halfway offensive and all the way ridiculous. Right. And just for the Christian community, I think for homosexuals to try and really get Christians to accept this, if you believe in the Bible, you don't think that that's a lifestyle that's of God. So while you, of course, don't want to see humans mistreated or killed because of the lifestyle, you don't have to accept it. And when they talk about the black community, this really goes for anybody. But the black community is very religious a lot of times or was raised with religious beliefs. So when you go from Genesis of the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah all the way to Romans, when it talks about men uh, turning away from the natural use of the woman and burning in lust towards each other, homosexuality is just not something that we all cheerlead unless you're a black woman. That seems to be the ones that cheerleads that the most, although that behavior can be the demise of the black family. So I think that we have to stop trying to criticize Christians for not accepting the lifestyle. Again, no one wants to see you hurt, but stop using the word homophobia to shame someone into not accepting what God has said is evil and unnatural. Well, my opinion, and, and I'll be interested to hear your response. I think to cast the black community as the most hostile towards homosexuals, I think is misguided. I think it's inaccurate. I think it's a myth. I, I, I will go the opposite direction and say, we might be the most welcoming of that lifestyle. Uh, and, and, and I know there's, because I think there's a difference between what we say and what we actually do. And so I'll just, if, if, if what we say was actually what we believed, we wouldn't be in support 
of all the democratic policies that are assisting and leading to this lifestyle choice and the transgender movement and all this other stuff. So we may talk at the big gate about what we believe, what we think, what we're hostile towards, but when push comes to shove and it comes time to, to take any policy actions, we go the total opposite direction. And so I, I just, I reject that just based on the data and the facts. And, and I'm not trying to make it hyper-partisan and political, but, but this is like the question I've asked members of my family or whatever, y'all talk at the big gate, well, Lord have mercy, anything that Barack Obama blesses, uh, y'all jump on board with. And so when he yes. said gay marriage, let's go, y'all said I do, it, it, with much enthusiasm. And so I, I'm not sure if we're really all that homophobic, uh, we seem to be down for anything. I, I, I've been blown away. I, I've told this story for years when I knew I was like, oh, I'm getting too old to even come out and just in, engage with people. I listened to, uh, this was years ago when I was in Kansas City at a casino, standing around the crap table, three, three, four big old dudes and me, I'm a big old dude, standing around the crap table. I didn't know these guys, uh, but they had done some time. And they were sitting on the craps table telling a story about the sexual activities that they did in prison. And, and I was like, my God, I can't believe they holding this conversation right out here. Everybody can hear it. I can, I'm not a part of them, blah, blah, blah. And, and that, I literally went and collected my chips and was like, I'm just not made for this world. We, we've gone places where I just didn't know you could do this out in public and, and I'm, I'm, Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling and going on, but uh, free Jesse Smollett. He's, he's out of jail now. And uh, Anyway, uh, you have a question, I believe, also for uh, Uncle Jimmy, uh, Shamika? I do. Uncle Jimmy, so you know for now, I guess a couple weeks, there's been this back and forth with Kanye. Yesterday, Instagram actually banned him for 24 hours for threats or harmful uh, posts or whatever. He came out against D.L. Hughley, posted a picture of D.L. and said, this grown ass man picked this outfit out himself. Is he influential or under the influence? Now we know Uncle Jimmy has style. And since Joan Rivers is dead, I just want Uncle Jimmy to be the fashion king and give us his advice on who dresses better, D.L. Hughley or, or, or Kanye West? Mm. What <laughs> 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 the hell is she trying to say, man? <laughs> I will say when I when I saw that picture this morning, I, I did think of you. I did. I, some of your outfits. Well, what was she trying to say, man? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? what, what she, Shamika, you got a problem with what DL's wearing? Actually, Uncle Jimmy, I do. I do think that once you get to a certain age, the holes in the knee that just don't really do it for me. Well. Actually, I, I think you're looking at this the wrong way, Shamika. Okay. First of all, see, y'all young people, y'all understand, you know, when they, they make these posts, that they trying to send subliminal messages. You understand? And see, they say that signs and symbols are for those that are truly conscious. Now, y'all gotta understand, DL's woke. DL's truly woke. See, DL ain't like Jesse Smollett. See, he ain't come out the closet completely yet. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? DL, deep down inside, wants to be a member of the Fearless Army. You see what I'm saying? Oh. Deep down inside, with that picture, DL is sending you a subliminal message. And you know what he's saying? He says, I need to be fearless. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I thought you were going someplace different because I've always thought DL was the perfect name for DL Hughley. Ooh. I've always thought that. <laughs> well, I mean, he I, does I, have that I, little I, voice when he gets to talking <laughs> like that right there. I mean, nobody ever said nothing about DL when he gets to talking like that right there. If you notice how he talk like that right there. 
Uh, right. I have, and I thought his mama gave him the perfect name. Down low, Hughley. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a minute, hold it, hold it, real yeah. quick. Now, you know what started this. You know that this right here was a tweet from Kanye. And you know, because you know this goes all the way back to what we was talking last week, because DL put up a tweet talking about Kanye. And I don't know if we got that tweet or not, but uh, Kanye, uh, DL made the comment and said, uh, ain't no way in hell I'm going to be afraid of some dude running around here wearing I know what you did last summer boots. <laughs> I mean, man, for real, I could be wrong, but for Kanye to try to talk about DL, this is kind of like a case of the Doberman Pinscher calling the great name a dog, man. <laughs> you see this dude? Come on, man. Kanye definitely has some unique outfit choices. There's no question about that. Kanye looked like the Orkin man. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, and I think, Shami, you you're on record. You don't like the skinny jeans with the torn out knees, that, that's not a good look for men? No, especially once you get over a certain age, because you know, you have a lot of the men that look like a wisdom tooth. That's what they're shaped like, and they have the, the skinny jeans on the body. I just don't think that's a good look at all. I just don't. <laughs> I agree. I think skinny jeans for people 35 and under. Yes. Sure. She said men look like a wisdom tooth with a root hanging out of it. <laughs> Thank you, Shamika. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Jim, let's get to our approval rating for uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Uh Coach K uh, is starting his last NCAA tournament. He's the biggest star uh, in the NCAA tournament. He, he opens up play tonight, I believe. Uh, to, oh, tomorrow, actually? Tomorrow. Uh, t tomorrow. Uh, I've got him at a job performance. I think they're a two seed. Okay. And so I gave him a 22 in job performance. They had a good season, but not a great season. I gave him a 25. In job 25. performance. Hey, he's one of the greatest of all times. Yes or no? Absolutely. Of but all this time. year, you think he, he did the best that he could this year? Best of, he's one of the greatest of all times. I'm not going, I'm not going to knock him, man. I gave him a 25. Don't question me, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, character, you know, he's known for having super high character. Uh, I don't, you know, you're involved in college basketball. They pay players. They've been paying players. So I can't give him a perfect score in character. I'll give him a 21 in character. Okay, we're getting close. I'm going to give him a 20 because he, he, he's had a great career. He's been pretty flawless. One thing you do know, he did have the Zion Williams. He, he had that little controversy going on. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the outcome was, but honestly, I'm going to say he was probably guilty. Say what you want to. Coach K was guilty because Coach K was the man that did not cancel Zion Williams' DoorDash subscription. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, for real, he's trying to get Zion Williams is trying to get an NBA shape. This man showed up in Jason Whitlock media shape. <laughs> <laughs> he would be a star at the buffet line. Uh, authenticity, uh, again, this goes back to the beacon of more morality and all that. And I'm just like, yeah, college basketball coach. I mean, you know what you got to do in college basketball. Everybody loves to pretend like Duke never cheated. Duke, I could, and there was a Final Four in New Orleans one year, and the New Orleans Times Picune uh, did a whole long investigative story about how Duke financially took care of its players, just like everybody else. So I'm gonna give him a 17 in authenticity. Uh, first of all, it's a pay-for-play program. Okay, let's give them credit for at least paying their players. Okay, so, I mean, I'm not going to judge him for that, I, and that's judgmental. I feel about Coach K like you feel about Michael Jackson. Okay, mm. he didn't do it. Okay? Wasn't me. Wasn't that's him. it. My, hey, and the thing was, did y'all really hear you say yesterday that if you'd have known where, the, where Michael Jackson protest was, you'd be out there? Yeah. Okay, anyway. Ben, bottom line, he gets a 25, man. Coach K is a class act, man. Mm. Uh, it factor, I do think we found agreement here uh, in it factor. He's the biggest star in the NCAA tournament, biggest star in March Madness. It don't get no bigger than that. His it factor's off the chart. I give him a 25 perfect score in it factor. Bottom line, I give him a 25. He's a class act. He's, in the he's one of the final legs of greatness in college basketball. Uh, Coach K, 
we're going to miss you because after you, there's not going to be anybody else, man. So, you know, shout out to you, man. You know, I think Tom Izzo's coming back next year, and that'll be the last vestige. Like, like, you, oh, like, like, like you and Steve Kim was talking about, man. Honestly, man, he just represents. And let's just be honest, Jason. We're just getting old, man. They just don't. To us, y'all just don't do it like we used to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, I got him at a smoke show, 85. You've got him blazing hot at 95. It's called respect, Jason. Yeah, I agree. I don't hey, have man, a, let me I just put like, Coach with K is one of the good ones. Just that simple. Give him his credit. Who's your second favorite college basketball coach all time? Um, or maybe it's your first. LeVar Ball. <laughs> I knew that would say, I didn't know what you were going to say. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want.